Good evening, everyone. I hope you've had a uh, good Sunday today since we met together this morning. And just wanted to come back this evening and share again with you, similar to last week, a little bit of a devotional thought as we close out our Sunday. I just want to thank everyone uh, so far for your, your patience and your cooperation and um, really your, your joyful spirit as we have attempted to move forward as a church, even uh, during this time. Uh, just to be uh, you know, frank and uh, kind of transparent, this is um, new waters for all of us, uh, especially for myself. I, I'm trying not to make too much of the fact that I am <clears throat> a new pastor, not new to this church or this ministry, uh, but new to this position. And uh, try not to make a, a big deal about that, um, but it is a very unique way uh, to begin. Um, I was sharing with some people today that um, it's been a unique uh, but incredible uh, journey to this point. Uh, many of you know uh, that uh, my becoming pastor here was brought uh, through some trouble and through trial in our church's lives, through the losing, uh, losing our senior pastor unexpectedly. Uh, my dad passed away uh, back in September of last year. And um, so, so how we got to this point, uh, of course, is not the circumstances that we desired or that we wanted. But the church has been just so unified and supported through all of this and uh, supportive of myself even uh, in becoming a uh, senior pastor. It's not exactly what I expected or how I expected it to happen, um, but I will say um, that there is nowhere else I'd rather be right now uh, than ministering in this way with this church body. There is uh, the overwhelming um, uh, sense of encouragement and uh, your communication back and forth with me these last couple weeks um, has not been an easy thing to become the pastor and be excited about some things as a church and some of the things that God is doing and then uh, transition away from meeting physically. Uh, but everyone has been so eager to help, and uh, we're going to let you know some other ways that you can help in the days to come. Some that have volunteered to come in and mail some things out this week and uh, we're excited about that. Uh, but just how you've embraced what God has allowed us to do has been so encouraging. And I just, I, I'm thanking you for that today. Uh, before we start, I had a little bit of a, an interesting time getting here uh, to this point. Uh, this is going to be posting a, a little after our normal evening service time, which would be 6 o'clock. Um, on my way here, many of you know I have some bad allergies and different things, and uh, I did a few things outside this afternoon, and um, I, I got ready and came and, and needed to grab a couple things uh, to do this, and um, from allergies and a, and a number of different things, had this crazy major nosebleed of all things <laughs> coming in, and um, so I had to kind of clean up and change clothes, and, and luckily I had some things in the car, and uh, so it has been an adventure getting here. I didn't have to tell you any of that. Um, and now that this is public for the world to know, I guess you can't really hold it against me. But uh, So it has been kind of a crazy last few minutes. Um, but I'm excited about the opportunity uh, to spend a little bit of time in God's Word this evening. 
And then we have, I, I think we have something a little different. Uh, this morning we had a live um, time for singing and praying and praising the Lord. And I uh, was encouraged by how people participated and commented and interacted with each other. There was a little while while Mr. Young was leading songs where I was just scrolling through and, and watching you talk to each other uh, and commenting. And, and that was an encouragement as well. So tonight we're going to do something a little different when we're done. And uh, if your kids are around, you'll want to get them around for the end. We're going to have a little competition at the end, uh, a little game that we're going to play. Put some things on the screen. You can keep track of points yourself. And then in the comments, uh, whether it's on YouTube or on Facebook, <clears throat> you can kind of let us know your score, and we'll see who wins. And uh, I don't know, maybe if we have a clear winner, I'll send you some sort of prize or uh, something like that. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a roll of toilet paper this week. How about that? If that, that'll be our grand prize uh, winner for our game tonight. So we're going to spend a little bit of time reading through. If you have your Bible, look at Psalm 27. We'll be there in just a moment. Um, but after that, uh, we'll, we'll do something a little different that we haven't done yet so far in any of our services. And so if you would, take your Bible, look at Psalm 27. I'll do my best to put it up on the screen for us again uh, in just a moment. And uh, we will walk our way through this passage and then not really dissect the passage tonight as much as we're going to emphasize one particular theme and then think about the context, uh, the author of this particular <clears throat> passage, and then maybe how it will apply to us uh, today. So let me see if I can uh, send this over there for you, and uh, we'll put it up on the, <coughs> on the screen uh, this evening. But Psalm 27, and uh, we will start reading in verse number 1. Let's just read through the chapter together. Verse number one, of course, this is a psalm of David, and uh, it's written, and we'll talk a little bit about the timing and uh, the theme there of not being afraid. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes come upon me to eat me, to eat up my flesh or to devour me. In other words, just a, a picture there. He's saying they're coming to devour me. And sometimes we feel like life is coming to overwhelm us. They stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Some of us feel uh, a host of things that are banking up against us. The fear and anxiety of this virus and all that's going on but our world and its response to it. Um, also, some of us are dealing with with job implications, family implications, and, and fearful for those that we know and love. Sometimes those all rise up against us at once. But he says, My heart shall not fear. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. For... For in time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou said, Seek my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Let me emphasize there for a moment. It says, When you told me to seek you, I did, I obeyed. 
And right now, in this time, God, of course, in each day of our life, but he's telling us in this moment to seek his face, to find him in these moments of life. And the question will be how we respond. Will we obey and seek the Lord? It says, hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. He's emphasizing there that when all else has failed us, God will guide and strengthen us. It says, Teach me thy way, O Lord. Lead me in plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies. For false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Let me go back because I missed that. It says, I, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And, and my goodness, right now, there's a lot of things that can make our heart, our minds, our mental strength, our, our um, ability to reason faint. But it says, I must see. I, I have to believe that the goodness of God is in all things. And we need that right now in God's word to see the goodness of God. And here's his response and what I want to focus on this evening. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, wait on the Lord. Notice it again, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. Now remember, David's in the middle of battle and strife and war and struggle, but is he doesn't say wait on good things to come, wait on things to get better. Wait on the Lord. It says, and in our waiting, we will have courage. We can take strength in our hearts as we wait on the Lord. I want you to think for just a few moments about waiting. Because the truth is, that is what we are all doing at this moment. I know some of us have more trouble than others waiting. I I have trouble waiting on certain things. Some things I am really good at procrastinating and waiting on. Uh, But there's other things I just want to get it done. I'm sure all of you can relate. You've had a project that you've started a project and then you have realized, I don't have what I need to do this project. And rather than waiting or going out and getting something, sometimes uh, you probably maybe have improvised and used a tool that wasn't meant for that. Uh, Maybe you have uh, kind of made something work, uh, adapted, worked your way around and, and made some things happen. I did that this week on a project that I was working on at home. Uh, sometimes we have trouble waiting, waiting to, to find things. Sometimes we get ourselves in trouble and it may not be time to purchase something yet, but we don't want to wait. And so we do what we have to do to force it. And then, ah, that was a bad decision. Maybe I should have waited a little longer. Uh, there's moments, there's things that are hard to wait. Our kids don't like waiting on certain things and patience has to be taught. Um, I have worked with teenagers the last six years and none of them want to wait uh, most of them, all, almost all of them, none of them want to wait to get their driver's license or wait to graduate. We don't want to wait. And the truth is right now in this circumstance, we don't want to wait. Uh, we don't want to wait. For the most part, I would say the first and foremost thing in all of our minds, we don't want to wait to get back to normal. We don't want to wait for our lives to resume the way that they were. We want it to happen right now. That's our goal. We wake up every morning, and, and some of us right now, we, we turn on the news and say, well, where is 
the case count at right now? Uh, what about those that are sick or in the hospital? What is, when are they going to alleviate some of the stipulations that they have on us now? Uh, when is this going to change? Uh, what are they saying different now? And there needs to come a time where we turn all of that off. It's okay to stay informed. But there comes a time we just have to wait on what God is doing in our lives. And I want us to think about this passage. And rather than dig verse by verse for this evening, I want you to think about its author. Of course, his name is David. And we, most of us are familiar with David himself as a king. But I want you to think, of all the people in the Bible, there may not be a better person to write these verses to us and to say, wait on the Lord. Wait for his timing. Wait and in strength and courage, be patient with what God is doing in your life. And it does not mean wait. Wait does not mean sit still and do nothing. And we can prove that to you this evening because of the author's life. David was anointed. We'll have you turn there for time's sake. But David was anointed in First Samuel 16, verse number 13. It says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and appointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. That's the verse where David is anointed as the coming king of Israel. 1 Samuel 16. That's when David is told, you're going to be the king. King of Israel. God's anointed. You're going to lead this country in a way that follows your father. David was passionate about his relationship with his God. He was a good young man. He was a young man that had proven himself with integrity and God chose him and anointed him. In 1 Samuel 16, David does not become king until 2 Samuel chapter 5. A lot happened in between those time periods. And David was not king for even one single day in, the, in between those chapters. Yet David had to learn to wait. He knew he was going to be king. He knew, if you look at it this way, he knew God's will for his life. He knew the general will. He knew uh, the, the distant and future will for his life. I am going to be the king of Israel. But then he had to wait. And we know, some of us in our minds, what God has for our lives. We know what's going on in our lives right now. And uh, we are excited about maybe the ministry within our church or a ministry that you're a part of and how you're serving the Lord. You know where you are in your family life right now. You know where you are a, on a job project maybe. Or uh, you know where you were in in terms of uh, something that you're trying to accomplish personally in your life, and all of a sudden we're kind of on hold and we're having to wait. What do we do in that time period? What can God teach us during that time period? I'm going to just read some chapter and topic titles of some things that happened after David was anointed king while he had to wait. So David is anointed as king in 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 17, you know, it says David defeats Goliath. Then we see in chapter 18, Jonathan and David form and bond and a relationship together. They become great friends. Saul tries to attempts to trick David and to kill David, uh, to slay David. He commands people to go out against him. He tries over and over to destroy David. So David had good things and victory in his waiting time. He had down time and he had problems where he had to hide, where he struggled, uh, where he fought. Um, it says that uh, he and Jonathan continued uh, to grow. It says David in chapter 21, David is protected by <coughs> a priest. 
chapter 22, David flees to Adullam, and there he uh, dwells in a cave on his own while he waits. David smites the Philistines, and then David is chased by Saul. David saves Saul's life and serves and ministers to him. David marries Abigail in this time period. Samuel dies. David saves Saul's life again. David joins to join with the Philistines, a low point in David's life. David is spared from having to fight Saul. God answers David directly. David kills an enemy. And then finally, we know that King Saul dies in those first few chapters, and David is anointed again. And then one named Abner stands in his way. So even after Saul died, he had to wait even longer. So what's my point with all this? As David writes in Psalm 27, he says, wait on the Lord. And I think there's a reason he phrased it that way. Because in each of those moments of life, David was not just waiting to become the king. He was waiting on God to guide and direct each step. And we are waiting right now. We're waiting for life to return to normal. We're waiting for this virus to go away. We're waiting for fear to subside. We're waiting, and maybe even aside from these circumstances, you are waiting for something in your life right now, a way that God is working. Uh, something in a few teenagers, you're waiting on graduation. You're waiting on college. College students, you're waiting on marriage or a career or whatever it may be. You're in that time of waiting. What do you do during that time period? David served his God obeyed what he knew he was supposed to do. David knew what he was supposed to do in the future, but David got to that future by doing what he was supposed to do each and every day. Did he fail? Sure. But he followed and he served his God day in and day out. I want you to think about this. I jotted down just a couple thoughts. Even when we know God's will, general or specific, there's times that we have to wait. And just because we know what God wants in our lives, just because we know how God is working, doesn't mean we have to wait for those specific things to happen. Our waiting, get this, can bring us, our waiting can bring us to an intimate knowledge of God that we would not have known otherwise. Think about the times that David spent out in a field by himself, in a cave all alone, cuddled up in some house or shack, hiding amongst the Philistines. In those moments, David found his God to be true. He grew to know his God in a way unlike he had ever known him before. And from that, we have psalm after psalm after psalm of words like, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Had David not had those waiting moments, he may never have known his God the way that he did and the way that he was able to communicate to us through Scripture. So in our waiting, in this moment of waiting in life, it can lead us to an intimate, closer relationship and knowledge of our God each and every day. I wrote down this. In our waiting, God still calls us to grow, to obey, to serve, and to love. Never in our time of waiting does God let any of those things go. While, right, while we're waiting right now for life to resume or for whatever it is that we're waiting for, God does not say, stop growing. It's okay, just kind of hang out and, and be there. He doesn't say, stop serving. Just because you can't be around someone physically 
just because you can't um, be in your normal Sunday school or your Bible class or teach in your normal ministry or be a part of whatever it is, doesn't mean that we stop serving. It doesn't mean that we stop obeying the commands of the Lord and that we just sit and wait doing nothing. It doesn't mean that we stop loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. It doesn't mean that we stop loving the world and shining and giving the gospel to them. It may mean we do it in a different form. David, while he was not king, did not get to proclaim and lead all of the nation of Israel to rejoice in their God and serve him, but he could lead his own heart that way. And he affected those around him, Jonathan, and then as he marries Abigail, and those that interacted with him, he could affect them during his waiting time. Just because we are waiting on the Lord does not mean that we are not affecting other people's lives. It does not mean uh, that our purpose in life does not bear weight on someone else still. And so my prayer tonight, as we look at this passage, these are great verses. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Uh, When the wicked, even mine enemies, when they rise up against me, though a host should encamp against me, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and I will seek after. I will, he says, I have cried to the Lord, and he has answered me. I have sought the Lord's face. When all else forsakes me, I'm going to, the Lord is going to take me up. He's encouraged. And then he says he's waiting. And so tonight, as we finish up, wait on the Lord. Think about those last two verses. He said, I had fainted unless I had seen the goodness of the Lord. And I wonder if this moment in life, for some of us, is not a God-directed opportunity to see His goodness. I don't necessarily mean, and we can see His goodness in all things, not even looking at these circumstances and the virus and all that's going on, but to take a moment and breathe. And reflect on what God has done. Even in my own life, the last six, seven months have been some of the craziest, hardest months of my life. But at the same time, I have found to know God in a deeper, more intimate way. And there have been moments of waiting. Why? Why is this happening? What is going on? But there have been moments that I can find the Lord. In those moments of waiting. I had fainted. Unless I had seen the goodness of the Lord. And so my challenge to us tonight. Is in each day. In each circumstance. Find the goodness of the Lord. Where can we first. In his word. In our world. In our family. And those that are around us. We can find the goodness of God. And in finding that goodness. Because we know he's good. We can wait on him. It wouldn't be easy to wait on the Lord if we didn't know that he was good. But he is. And so we can wait on him. I want you to think about those uh, thoughts as we um, finish out today. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, wait on the Lord. Let's pray for a moment before we finish. Ask the Lord to guide, direct our lives. Lord, we love you. And we praise you for this passage and for the life of David. For the example that he set for us and that you used him for to show us that we can wait on you. But in waiting, we can serve, we can grow, we can love, we can fall in love with the Lord Jesus all over again. And in moments of waiting, we can find you to be good, to restore us, to lift us up. 
to grow us in your word and we can serve you each day, though it may not be exactly the way it looked yesterday. You are the same God and you have the same call on our lives. It may just be in a slightly different fashion. And so as we wait for you, help us not to wait in this moment of life. Help us not just to wait and do nothing, but help us to wait and follow you. And we'll give you glory as you work in our lives. In your name, amen. Well, I'm glad that you uh, joined with us this evening and uh, took a little bit of time to gather together as a church. Uh, I am hoping that God's word was an encouragement to you uh, tonight. I want to do something a little different as we finish out. Okay, gather everybody around. We're going to do a little competition. A lot of people have been... um, talking a lot the last few days, not just within our church, but all over society about how grateful we are that technology is where it is today. Uh, I read about, uh, I think it's the man with the Dyson company, the CEO, the owner, uh, man by the last name Dyson, sat down and in 15 days invented a new type of ventilator and they're going to try to start mass producing these to help uh, a a company I believe called Abbott uh, just invented uh, and is trying to produce a test that can test for coronavirus in 15 minutes and uh, technology has advanced we are able to communicate with each other people are able to work from home schools are able to operate uh, online and it's pretty amazing if you think about it and so they got me thinking and uh, we're going to play a little game tonight i'll see if i can put it up here uh, for you and um, here's what we're going to do we are going to talk about play a little game talking about inventions and technology in the time of Jesus. And so here's what you're going to do. You're going to gather around, and you can compete with whoever's in the room. You can comment here in a moment. And I'm going to ask, I think it's 10 questions, and you grade your own paper, okay? you got to be able to trust you, uh, as, as the teachers would say. Grade your own work tonight. Add them up, and we'll see who can get the most points. It's very simple. The questions are just going to be yes or no. Was this particular thing, we're going to list some different things, technology things or inventions, and we're going to guess as to whether or not they were around when Jesus was alive. Pretty simple, right? And so we're going to walk through this together and uh, just take a couple minutes, just something a little different and fun. You can comment as we go and um, guess at these and then compete amongst your family. And like I said, if, if we have a grand winner, if somebody has, maybe let's say if somebody has a perfect 10, Uh, on their grade maybe i'll get to send you a roll of toilet paper this week in the mail uh, from the church okay Uh, in the time of jesus inventions and technology let's start with number one did roadmaps exist during the time of jesus and i'll give you about five or ten seconds uh, between each question roadmaps i guess that just simply means printed uh, copied maps guiding people uh, across lands did roadmaps exist during the time of Jesus, okay? And so I'm going to say one, two, three. And if you're in a room with other people, uh, just hold up the number one for yes. Or let's do two. Hold up the number two for yes because it kind of looks like a Y. And then hold up a fist for no. So if you say yes, hold up two fingers. If you say no, put up a fist. And uh, on three, that way the way can steal your answers. Ready? If you're with somebody, one, two, three. What's your answer? And... Yes, the first road maps were invented in Rome about 30 years before the birth of Christ from what we can tell. So if you got a yes on that one, give yourself one point. Two, did wheelbarrows exist during the time of Jesus? 
and uh, try to think through that. Um, my wheelbarrow in my backyard has a flat tire currently, and I got to uh, reseal it and get it going again because I've got some mulching to do in the next couple days. Hopefully after it rains and the pollen is gone. But did the wheelbarrow exist? One, two, three, put up your answers. No, the wheelbarrow invented in China in the year 118, about 80 years after Jesus lived. So if you put yes first, give yourself a point. If you put no on this one, give yourself another point. Did people use butter in the time of Jesus? And uh, I don't know that it mentions butter. I'm not hinting here. I just thinking through. I can't think of any mentions of butter in the New Testament on the unleavened bread that they broke. Uh, but did Jesus use butter in the time of, uh, did they use it during the time of Jesus? One, two, three. No, butter was not used until Europeans, it says here, discovered it around the year 400. I don't know how you discover butter. I wonder if that was an accident one day. Somebody's just doing some things and uh, I don't know how you accidentally uh, discover butter, but uh, I'm glad somebody did. It makes things nice today. So unfortunately, they did not have it in the time of the Bible. So give yourself a point for a no. I think that's the third one. Uh, if you're on three points, you're still perfect. Were coal mines a thing that existed in the time of Jesus? Coal mines, did they mine particularly for coal, I guess, as a fuel for fire is what they would have mainly used it for as they began to discover that. So we'll give yourself one, two, three, put your answers in. Yes, first evidence of a coal mine was dated 40 years before Jesus was birth, uh, born, also found in China. Did algebra exist during the time of Jesus? Some of our <coughs> students in our schools uh, are wishing it did not exist during their time today especially trying to do some of this at home on their own. Did, did it exist? The answer is no. Algebra did not exist until the year 275. I think track it back to Greece. So, uh, And I make no claim that all of these facts are absolutely perfect, uh, but they're what we could find. So uh, as far as we know, no, it did not exist. I think that's the fifth one. Maybe you're still perfect. Five points out of five would be great. What about ice cream? So we've done butter. How about ice cream? Did ice cream exist in the time of Jesus? Um, give yourself a few minutes. Freezers didn't really exist, but doesn't mean ice cream couldn't have, I guess. <coughs> I just wonder if they did have it, what toppings they used. Pomegranate topped ice cream would be nice. would be something that they could have had. But I'll give you three seconds. Five, four, three, two, one... All right, put your answer in. Yes, ice cream was invented in Persia about 400 years before the birth of Jesus. So who in your room still has six? Is it six? I think. I don't know. Number next one. Did mirrors exist in the time of Jesus? Yes or no? I'll leave it. Move on quickly with this one. Five, four, three, two, one. Answers are yes, they did. Mirrors were invented uh, right around the same time as ice cream, <laughs> which... Now that I think about it, it's fairly ironic that people began to have to see themselves in a mirror right after they started eating ice cream. Did zoos exist in the time of Jesus? How about zoos? I noticed a lot of zoos this week doing some good things and doing some online live interaction with animals uh, for the kids as they're home from school. But did they exist during Jesus' time? The answer is three, two, one. 
No, first zoo did not appear until the year 248. In Rome, again, biblical times uh, were better to be Harambe, evidently, is what they say here. Did the concepts of latitude and longitude exist during the time of Jesus? So how they measured uh, geographic points, GPS, as we would use them today, coordinates. Did they exist? Three, two, one. Nope. They were a little longer away also in China. It seems like Rome and China kind of did everything on this list. And uh, we'll see. I think this might be the last one. Did horses wear shoes in the time of Jesus? Did horses wear shoes? Most men wore sandals. How about their horses or donkeys or... I don't know if they rode ponies, but... Did horses wear shoes? Five, four, three, two, one. Yes, they did. About 200 years before Jesus was born, they started using uh, horseshoes. And so, add up your points. See how many you got. I believe we had 10 questions, so I guess 10 would be the perfect score tonight. And if you got a 10, then uh, let us know in the comments whichever platform you're using and watching on tonight. And uh, I hope this is something a little different. Uh, hopefully a little bit of fun for you and something to take your mind off of these things. Uh, do your best these next few days. If you got some space outside that you can get outside and you're not like me, deathly allergic to pollen it would seem, um, get outside and uh, try to just enjoy uh, a little something. Uh, we're hitting that long stretch here where things are really starting to set in. Um, if you want somebody to talk to, call the church. Um, we'll If I'm not here, we'll connect you with somebody. Uh, or we'll get somebody to call you back. I've had several uh, staff members that have made sure that we're calling members every week, whether they can watch online or not, um, just trying to check on people and make sure. And So if you have a need, you have something that is going on in your life, uh, then you can uh, let us know, and we'll help however we can. I love you, church, and I'm praying for you. Hang in there. Um, we're going to wait on the Lord, and so we're going to praise Him as He helps us to do that. Uh, praying for you and hope you have a great week.